Spring is in full swing, and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool, or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33. Beach. Thanks to the Boardwalk Plaza for being the Bridge Podcast Network sponsor. Story Jumpers, welcome to another episode of your favorite storytelling podcast. Are you ready to hear a great story? Of course, that's why you're a Story Jumper. Hunger Winter, a World War II novel, is the thrilling story of one boy's quest to find his father and protect his younger sister during the Great Dutch Famine of World War II. Sometimes you have to take a chance because it's the only chance you have. Enjoy this reading of Hunger Winter by Rob Curry, who teaches psychology at Judson University and has two awards for his books. You're listening to Hunger Winter, a World War II novel by Rob Curry, Chapter 17. Don't go to sleep tonight, a prison guard told Els. You'll be questioned at 11 o'clock. After the man left, Els sat with a bright overhead light still on and the Nazi guards making plenty of noise to be sure she couldn't sleep. They kept up the racket until many hours later when a different guard entered her cell and informed her the appointment had been postponed. Two nights later, the Germans told her she must stay awake and await questioning at midnight Shortly after the three o'clock shift change, they told her she could go to sleep. Immediately, she grabbed her little heart of stone pebble from the corner where she'd hidden it, curled up on the mattress and slept. The next day in the early afternoon, a guard charged into Elsa's cell. He pointed his rifle bayonet toward the hall. Something in the guard's facial expression told her she wouldn't be returning to the cell ever. She feigned rising to her feet, but collapsed with a loud groan, her hand covering the stone in the corner of her cell. Then she doubled over with a long, hacking cough, putting her hand over her mouth and slipping the pebble under her tongue. Finally, despite being weak with hunger, Els willed herself to a standing position. Where are you taking me? She asked. Your sentence has been determined wrapping her tattered blanket around her shoulders. Els trudged down the hall, following the other prisoners also being moved. Outside, the stiff chilly breeze flapped her blanket and she clutched it tighter around her. Guards formed the captives in a row, spaced one meter apart in front of a brick wall. More guards stood on the opposite side of the small fenced yard with rifles. No, cried a man next to Els. They're going to halt at the clap. A soldier shouted. A light rain fell. Els put her hand on the shoulder of the man who had cried out. His weeping intensified to wailing. No, he cried, turning one way and another as if appealing to some unseen authority. All of you are guilty of crimes against the Third Reich, an officer announced. You have been sentenced, and now you will pay for what you have done. He looked at the soldiers. Ready! He shouted above the din of prisoners begging for mercy. The soldiers clutched their rifles. 
With her tongue, Els maneuvered the small stone in her mouth between her tongue and cheek so she could project her voice. She cleared her throat and sang as loudly as she could in her weakened condition. Grant that I may remain brave, your servant for always, she began. Several prisoners joined her in singing the national anthem. I may defeat the de tyranny which pierces my heart. Wait, the man next to Els cried, looking at the officer. I'll talk. I want to see my family again. Stretching his arms in front of him, the bedraggled man slowly approached the officer. When he got within two meters of the German, he stopped. Please, he begged, and his words dissolved in the sobbing. Take him inside. If he lies or won't ask a quest, answer a question, you know what to do. A soldier led the man away. In the pause that followed, some soldiers, some prisoners screamed, others wept openly, and some said nothing. Ready, the officer shouted again. Thunder boomed, and the rain fell harder. It wasn't supposed to end like this. The Gestapo was supposed to realize that Els would never talk, and they'd let her go. And then she'd somehow find Dirk and Anna. Aim, the officer said. The soldiers raised their rifles. Oh my goodness, what is going to happen to Els? This story is so exciting, but it also is kind of scary. I've got somebody who might be able to help us through that. The author, Rob Curry. Rob, how are you? I'm fine. Good afternoon to you. It's good to meet you. And I have to say that this is one of the most exciting stories we've had on Story Jumpers. It takes place during World War II? Yes, sir. Uh, lots of people know about Corey Ten Boom. It was an amazing story. And Anne Frank also. This story picks up where those two stories ended. Both of those phenomenal women were captured in 1944. But what happened to the Dutch people after that? This story starts in November of that year and tells the little known but true story of the hunger winter. Yeah, I understand that there was a famine on even during the war. Yes, the the Netherlands had plenty of food normally, but the Nazis cut off food and fuel as a way to crush the Dutch resistance. Wow. What happened was um, there were rumors of an imminent Allied invasion and the Dutch train workers went on strike. So the Nazis retaliated by cutting off food and fuel. That's horrible. And and we see that the kids in the story faced really dire consequences. Not only was uh, Elle's father sent to fight in the war, but then th they lose her mother too, right? Yes, that happened uh, before the story started. And it's, it's, it's mentioned as far as the hunger... Most of your listeners are probably eating a diet of about 1,500 calories a day. Not that I want children to be calorie counters. Right. By the end of the war, the average Dutch citizen got 300 calories a day. So think of a box of chicken nuggets. Yeah. That's it. Kids, Dutch kids would carry a spoon around with them all the time just in case they got food that day. Wow. I can't even imagine living that way. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine that either. Yeah. Now, what was it that influenced you or gave you the idea for this story? So... I find that God does a wonderful work of leading us to where he wants to go step by step. Sometimes I use the word sneaky, but I mean that only in the best possible way. So my wife is of Dutch descent. My dad is a World War II veteran. And my, just so I wouldn't miss the point, my seventh grade, then seventh grade son came home from school one day and he showed, hey, look at this story I dashed off in study hall. It was two pages about 
World War II in the Netherlands. And I said, hey, that's pretty good. I'd written two books at the time. I said, why don't you and I do it? Just back and forth as a father and thing, father and son thing. We won't publish it. We'll go to the copy center. Oh, yeah, Dad, that'd be great. So I wrote the first chapter. And then when it was his turn to do chapter two, he was more interested in being a teenager. Imagine that. <laughs> so by then I was hooked on the story. I'll bet you were. Now, the characters are fictional, right? Or is this a true story through and through? So the characters are fictional, but probably 90% of the things that happened were things in the book are things that actually happened. How long did it take to write a book like this? It was about seven years, a lot of writing and rewriting, a lot of input from helpful people. And I could really see God's hand in it because what would happen is an editor or agent would say, you know, this is pretty good, but would you be willing to rewrite this? So I do it. Four months later, I would have a completely changed manuscript, send it to him. They say, you know, that's better, but I'm I'm still going to pass. And then somebody else would do that. And each time it got better, it got better and better and better. Now, I thought it was done way before God thought it was done, but his timing is always right. And then in the year that it came out, it was the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II. So wow. he always knows what he's doing. Well, and I bet after you got it out there into the world, people from all over who have an interest in World War II and the Holocaust must have read it. What kind of feedback did you receive? It's been very encouraging. I heard from a teacher who plans to use it in her class every year now. She said she thinks the book is fantastic. So far, the oldest readers are a 93-year-old woman and a 95-year-old woman. A man from Florida contacted me. He said he's in his late 50s. It's the first book he's read all the way through since he graduated from college. Kids are telling me they can't put it down. A grandma told me, not in her 90s, she's in her 50s that she was staying up too late every night because she wanted to know what happened next. So I had a lot of help, a lot of input to God be the glory. One of my favorite endorsements comes from the Cory Ten Boom Museum. If if the kids listening don't know the story of Cory Ten Boom, that's, a, that's an amazing one. The movie Hiding Place is awesome. The Cory Ten Boom Foundation endorsed the book, and they asked me permission to sell it in their store. I've been to the Hiding Place Museum. Their store is pretty small. They don't have room for many books. So it was quite an honor to me that they would want to sell it. Well, it certainly is an incredible story. And I'm I'm thankful that you shared even just a glimpse of it with us. Listen, a lot of the story jumpers are readers. And I wonder for you, what were some of the stories that influenced you when you were a boy? What were some of your favorite stories? Sure. I love the action stories. My parents did a pretty clever thing. They stocked our upstairs bookshelves with captivating books for kids. And on Saturday morning, that was the only chance my parents had to sleep in. We weren't allowed to come downstairs until 8 a.m. So go to the bathroom, grab yourself a book. We'll see you at 8 o'clock. And so I read Robinson Crusoe. By the way, the original version of Robinson Crusoe is very faith-centered. Lots and lots about God. It's, It's long, but it's good. I also like Robin Hood. There was a series of biographies that my elementary school had that I enjoyed. I remember one particular about Mozart, but my mom took me to the library every week and just read everything I could get my hands on. Man, that's excellent. That was a sneaky idea too, wasn't it? To keep you yes, reading when you couldn't get out of bed. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, Rob, I really appreciate you sharing this story with us. And I'm sure that the story jumpers are going to find it just as thrilling as I did Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It's designed for individuals, also for schools, for teachers listening. I just heard from a fifth grade teacher 
She says she thinks the book is fantastic and she looks forward to using it for years to come. Excellent. Well, Rob, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Parents, Hunger Winter, a World War II novel, is intended for children between fourth and eighth grade. Kirkus Reviews calls the novel a gritty but hopeful wartime thriller. Author Rob Curry did extensive research on events happening in the Netherlands during World War II, and the result is an enthralling story which captivates both young adults and children. Some of the darkest days during World War II are never explored in books for young people, but these action-packed scenes convey Dutch traditions, danger, loyalty, and faith to readers. Learn more about his writing at robcurryauthor.com and pick up the book from amazon.com.